0: Thank you. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Left Turn Canada. I'm Andy Borkowski, joined as always with Christo Avelisse. This is show 20, and I wish I could be more excited and have even more energy for you all, but I am unfortunately riddled with the COVID. No, I don't actually have it, but I, I got my second shot on Thursday. We're recording this on Sunday. We had to push it back, and I was feeling it. I don't know if I have ever been so sick like obviously really important to get vaccinated and you know the it's valuable if we don't do it it'll destroy the planet but I feel like there should have been someone there that would warn me more than like oh yeah you know get some Gatorade you might be a little bit sick to like you're going to be delirious in a fever and hallucinating prepare yourself you know like maybe it's just me but uh yeah How, did you get sick from this at all
1: no, I was very lucky. <laughs> I was very lucky. Like you know, a lot of people. The most common thing is people felt a little bit bad and maybe had some arm pain in like the the arm that they had the injection. But for me, both times I got I got Pfizer both times. Um, you know the the injection spot, like you know the the yeah. like an inch or two around the the injection spot was a bit sore. But other than that, I was perfectly fine. I was very fortunate. Uh, my wife, I think, had you know I didn't feel great. After the first shot, but other than that, was was fine as well. So, um... Yeah, no, I know that it, it's it's a it's a bit of a crapshoot, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I did notice yeah. that
0: people that had, and again, maybe this is just humankind's nature to find patterns here, but people that had a mixture because there was a shortage in many cases. So I had Pfizer and then Moderna up here in uh, Ontario because they're running out of Pfizer at the time. My wife had the same and a few of my friends had the same and all of us got sick when we had the Moderna shot. So probably not related, but it is interesting just to, you know, line it all up like that. So basically this is all an excuse for me to say, we're going to be running a little bit shorter this week. Please, you know, have sympathy because, uh, yeah, I'm getting sick and I'm doing it all for you guys so that I don't get any of you sick. That's it. So I'm basically a hero, right? Christo, you agree?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, not even Italy's victory today could, could, <laughs> could, could, could cure, could cure Andy. Congratulations to all the Italian Canadians.
0: And congratulations Uh, to all of the English people that are losing their mind, right?
1: Yeah, there's, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, most people, I got to say, I I knew almost no one cheering for England. I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't, (laughs) it seems like a lot of people were just cheering, just cheering against them for the most part, right? So. I think the world got a result they were broadly
0: happy with. <laughs> yeah, let's. Go. And I think Italy hadn't won since like the '60s or something like that. So no, no, it's...
1: Italy. Had, Italy has, I don't know the last time they've won the Euros. Yeah. But they, uh, they're a frequent winner. They've won a World Cup back in uh, like 2006. Mm. Uh, England is the team that has never won a Euro and has only won one World Cup back in '66. And
0: they couldn't uh, so, get it now. Uh,
1: Italy, Italy is one of the, uh, along with Brazil. It's one of the most winningest countries. There you go. So,
0: Thank yeah. you, Brexit. That's good. See, look what happened. <laughs> uh Well, since this is a little bit of a looser episode, I thought also be a good chance to talk about some of the stuff that we do. So this isn't the only thing that uh, Christo and I do talk to you for an hour once a week. We both have a bit of a footprint on YouTube creating videos. I think they are radically different and if you already know this uh, thank you for patronizing both of us i started a long time ago while i was working at a radio station as a news anchor i started a little video game show that was called vgs and it was really my passion and as I realized how horrible and gut-wrenching and atavistic the radio news department could be, I started to just go towards the thing that I, I liked more. And then eventually, over time, it became a little more successful. I was able to put that onto YouTube. And then recently, it's it's really picked up. And I found Christo out because I saw some of his uh, videos that he was doing that were all left-wing, that were... political and about issues that matter to me and that's when we started talking and saying like hey let's let's focus solely on Canada because Canadian YouTube stuff is doesn't really have much of a place I think is some of the initial conversations we had right Christo
1: yeah I mean it was a mixture of like what's a good format for Canadian content YouTube is a big volume thing Whereas, you know, podcasts, you can have more, um, you know, you have like a smaller, more dedicated audience that scales better. Mm -hmm. And we just felt it was a good place to have these conversations. Whereas, you know, my YouTube videos are kind of short and punchy. It was a good space to have like 30, 40, 50 minutes to kind of have some discussions about topics, maybe have guests every now and then. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it kind of just came together.
0: And what about you? What's your YouTube footprint for those that do not know?
1: Yeah, I make uh, videos on American politics primarily, uh, given that this show has kind of like taken the role as my my outlet for Canadian content. Um, Yeah, and it's just uh, three times a day I put out short political videos. Most people probably know my content, uh, you know, because it's more directly related to, to our discussions here. But yeah, it's just like, you know, if you want short... Punchy takes on American politics. It's a it's a good place to be.
0: It, it'd be wild to hear the person that found out this Canadian political podcast from watching <laughs> my Resident Evil horror story videos. <laughs> like that that's a wild pull. <laughs> if,
1: I'm not if, saying it's impossible, but it's a it's a bigger it's a it's 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 a rarer jump.
0: Absolutely, like somebody
1: that's interested in both Canadian and American politics. Yeah,
0: and you know, kind of speaking to that, I guess because you have your foot in both pools in a real major way. And I know you in particular have a background in this. You're, you're an expert, I would say, in Canadian politics. It's your, your background. Are there any huge differences in, I guess, the implementation of the news? Like when, when we're discussing the things that are happening in either place, Do you do you ever think like, okay I need to craft my content a little differently when talking to primarily American audiences about American issues versus talking to primarily Canadian audiences about Canadian issues? Like looking at the analytics here, if you're listening to our voices right now, chances are you live somewhere in Canada, most of you. So I don't know. I I was wondering, is there do you find a difference in any way?
1: I mean, I don't necessarily think so. No. I think like, you know, there are differences in that you have more parties in Canada. Um, there are differences in in uh, like the nature of the prime minister's position vis-a-vis a president and how they play politics. The, the U.S. president uh, not necessarily being more powerful than the prime minister, but having much more, I guess, attention focused on them you know the nature of the us uh has a a more traditional two party system meaning that like people look at the partisan divide maybe more differently than in canada where really we have like a five party system maybe a four and a half mm-hmm. party system where maybe people are more are are more willing to switch parties because you know there there are more options to switch to um but i i mean uh when i made videos for canada versus the us i generally did the same thing the one yeah. difference is as you might say is that if you were going to make something on a uh, on Canada and you know you had a lot of american viewers you would have to really jump into the context whereas the vast majority of canadians uh, that are interested in politics already have at least a base knowledge of america especially you know the biggest questions the biggest policies the biggest figures most canadians uh, would know you know the, the that, that follow politics would have a good grasp of say the democratic party primary mm-hmm. uh you know bernie versus warren versus biden versus harris they would get that but in canada like trying to explain say the ndp or even say like a liberal or conservative party primary race you would really have to give a lot of context to who these people are and like what they represent
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I even felt that when we decided to really jump into something that was Canadian focus that, oh, shit, I, I got to brush up on who these MPs are, really, because I, I thought like I knew a lot more the names of different senators than I did of Canadian MPs. And I think, you know, we I have been able to, to jump back into that a little bit more. But you're absolutely right. It, it is a lot easier to access the the uh American information of the political Spectrum if you are interested in politics Then maybe it is to dive deep into this whole Canadian scrum. But it is uh, what we hope to do here. And basically today, we want to talk about the planned, what we believe, and most people do, upcoming election, federal election, that will happen this year. There's been a lot of overtures to that. We've, We've seen indicators. We seem like it could be a good move for the Trudeau Liberals to make this push and possibly... I think you're saying even retain, you know, get that majority, make sure they're they're still in power. But we do have some numbers recently that that are suggesting that individual leaders, the distinctions between them in this time of pandemics, growing environmental catastrophes, active genocides against indigenous peoples, there is a growing divide between what the Canadian people are. Are expecting from their leaders and we're, we want to know basically we're going to explore if that will make a big splash in the upcoming election so yeah let's let's start with Singh we have some new numbers uh, on Jagmeet and uh, please enlighten us uh, how is he looking based on recent polling
1: well it's a bit it's looking pretty decent there's been um Some new numbers about his performance among young people, specifically those, depending on the poll, often 18 to 30 or 18 to 34, depending on the polls. But um, Polling Canada did a really good look uh, comparing uh, some historic polling between Trudeau and Singh. And what they found is that Abacus showed the uh, approval ratings of young voters for Justin Trudeau in the summer of 2015 which basically means the summer before Justin Trudeau became prime minister um, uh, in August. And it showed that Trudeau was widely popular with young people. He had a plus 19% with men 18 to 29 and a plus 22 women 18 to 29. And they compared that to Singh from last month, June of 2021. And Singh is about 18 points more popular among young men than Trudeau was, and about twenty five points more popular among young women than Trudeau was. So Singh's got a plus forty nine approval rating among young women and uh, plus thirty seven among young men. And as David Coletto, who who works for uh, I I don't know if he works for Abacus. I think he he might, but uh, uh, pollster David Coletto, yes, he does work at Abacus, suggested that um, this could be a another youth quake. Mm. Justin Trudeau did not necessarily win the 2015 election off the young vote, but it's what gave him his majority almost certainly. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had a big enough lead over over Harper uh, that um, he likely would have won uh, regardless, but his majority came from higher turnout among young voters than in the 2011 2011 election, and those young voters shifting hard towards him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And right now, at least, Singh is very popular with young people. Even more than Justin Trudeau,
0: yeah. but There's a recent was that
1: was at the time. Yeah. Trudeau has lost a lot of that popularity, mm-hmm. but you know you have to compare apples to apples. You know, a young leader currently out of power. Uh, Trudeau was the third party leader. Singh is that now? You know what I mean? Yeah. So
0: he's in a yeah. similar sort of position. There's, I think, one uh, avenue here that I, I don't remember everything of that 2015 election, but there's an article here in the Toronto Star. Looking at Jagmeet Singh as the TikTok star, basically looking at the great success he's had at the platform, his clip that you probably remember from uh, a couple years ago when he was comparing his platform, his party's platform to the liberals. Today, that clip has four million views. He has close to six hundred and twenty five thousand followers and he is growing that day by day it's not set up as you would expect from a lot of the comms operations that you see from uh, political leadership like it's not on a schedule it's not always trying to sell you something i imagine it's still very considered but a lot of what you're seeing is just the man who i think is very personable and popular uh, expressing his views and talking about things that you see here that you don't always see him say as strongly in other public forums. Like, so I think he believes in these things, but it's really great to see some of the videos he's done on a systemic racism, what needs to be done on that, and... I I do think that this sort of information, you could just throw it aside and say, you know, this is just for young people that perhaps didn't have the same voter numbers as other demos. But I think here uh, it says in the article, the millennials still made up the largest group of eligible voters in 2019. And I I really think it's a really effective way. To distill some of these complex ideas with the clarity of purpose that the NDP benefits from, like that—that's the great thing about supporting leftist candidates—is that if it really is a true humanist response to a problem, it doesn't need to be super complicated and, and different tax credits and you know all of these different minutia before you actually get. To what needs to be done, it can be simple and understandable. So, uh, the comms team for the NDP said they're in this article they're going to push this hard in the supposed upcoming election. Do you think considering his position and the numbers that we have here and the time in which we live in where so many of these calamities are hitting us day by day by day? Cthulhu coming out of the sea, active <laughs> genocides happening all around the country or half of our uh, what was it? Shellfish on the West Coast were burning alive and boiling uh, when this heat wave came. Like, do you think that maybe, considering his position and his success, that this could be something that actually really does move the needle here. It's a phrase I bring up a lot here or, or maybe we're putting, you know, too much stock into a, you know, something that a lot of politicians perhaps have done before. Cause on paper, for me, it's really hard to see how Jamie isn't top of mind for most people in that demo, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, this is a good thing. I know some people have like pearl clutched on it and be like, "Oh, this isn't how a prospective prime minister should behave." But I, I mean, I have no issue with it, and I think obviously it is effective. And there's a lot of things probably going into the fact that jug meat is is so popular among young people. The test is always going to be: um, Do those populations come out and vote? Do mm-hmm. they vote? Do they vote in the numbers needed? Are they distributed correctly? Um, you know, uh, how strategically minded are those voters? Do Mm. they get conned into voting liberal at the end of the day? Anyway, just see, even if they don't necessarily like Trudeau anymore, these are all big questions, but I definitely think it's good that Singh is reaching out to these, these groups. Um, Mm. One of the things with that article was the framing of it was like, oh, meets just a TikTok star. And a lot of people ran with that to say he has no policy ideas. And I definitely think there needs to be more made of the NDP's policies as they pertain to everyone, mm-hmm. because the party has a, seg- a, a severe weakness right now with older voters. If you look at a lot of this age ranged polling, the NDP polls extremely well with young people decently with people in their 30s perhaps but then there's a sharp decline whereas the liberals right now the liberals strength right now is actually that they in some polls are beating the conservatives even among seniors which is not often the case liberals have won governments still losing senior votes to the conservatives and so um, the NDP needs to find a way uh, to take policies that uh, are popular with broad swaths of the population and not just young people and sell it to those broad age groups. But I think specifically, you want to give that direct motivation to young people. and this is one of the reasons I still have an issue with the party's really stupid student loan policy. Yeah, I think it's yeah. dumb. I think it's dumb. I don't mind a policy that makes it clear that you don't want to cancel all student loan debt. I disagree. But I can understand it. I can understand the argument that you don't want to carte blanche, cancel every penny of student loan debt for everyone, because then you're going to get into this political argument. What about doctors and lawyers who, yes, have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt potentially, but will over the course of their lives make tens of millions potentially? And so why should why should a, a middle-class person subsidize that? Versus somebody who went to college and has $7,500 of loans. I think a lot of people would be okay Just Mm -hmm. writing that off, right? You know what I mean? And so I think if the party was like, look, student loan debt is a big deal, especially for young people, but also for people that are a bit older and still have debt, we're going to cancel $20,000 of student loan debt on day one of an NDP government. And instead they got this bullshit where it's like, we're going to cancel up to, I don't even remember. And I'm like an NDP politico, right? I don't even it's like we're going to cancel up to a certain amount based on family income yeah, five up to years 20, after twenty thousand or something.
0: And you have to yeah. make less than 30, yeah, 40, you have to I make, think.
1: No, you have to make less than 60 as oh, a family. 60. Okay. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. As a family. As, yeah. a, as a household. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. It's not 60 each, it's 60 total, meaning two people that make $35,000 a year, which is not a lot of money anywhere in this country, would not necessarily be eligible for any help. So it's like all of these things are, like, make that plan complicated. And I think what the NDP needs to realize, especially if they want to make short viral videos, their means of communication, is you can't have policies that are more asterisk than yeah. meat right <laughs> and so if you want to say jug meat could make a tiktok where it's like him burning student loan papers i don't know i'm just you know yeah. what i mean and it's like how would you feel if we could do this to your student loans yeah Vote there's gotta NDP. be a song
0: or a dance that has something to do yeah. with that on like TikTok a twenty thousand know?
1: dollar paper with a piece like says twenty thousand dollars debt mm-hmm. burn it and say ndp well, this is what we'll do to twenty thousand of dollars of your student debt day one you can make a little uh uh 30 second video out of that have sing do that or uh, another mp do that i don't mm-hmm. know uh but I, I definitely think that they need to work on that and they do have to find a way to reach old people at least somewhat older people at least somewhat um whether it's uh fighting for their children like building a better future for your mm-hmm. children a lot of parents are worried about millennials like they're worried about their gen z and millennial kids getting homes uh finding child care having enough Uh, money to have babies and stuff Uh, you might even say you know you want your 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 retirement is basically predicated on you being able to sell your your house for a profit Um, but if young people don't have good jobs if young people don't have stability there's not necessarily going to be someone to buy your house so consider that I mean I don't know I I do think that uh, obviously he's been effective at reaching young people but he needs to keep pushing on that. And I think one way is to be bold and to be clear. He needs to be bolder on policy, certainly. Uh, but I think he needs to be clearer in some places, even if it's not necessarily bolder.
0: Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked about it before. As much as we, we may want the core leadership of the NDP to be as left wing and hold the the same ideals that I think you and I do and, and many of you listening, that might just not be the case that might just not be the makeup of the current current party leadership but i i think you hit the nail on the head there if he could come out strong on an idea of getting young people into homes, making that a feasible future, it seems like it would be a slam dunk that reaches everyone. Because there's. it is such a disaster that our, ent- our, our current economic climate is based on this idea that the next generation will have the income to become homeowners, create enough income to pay into our tax base, and keep building up our communities. It's how we've been able to create in some ways this suburban hellscape that so many of us live in. And now that yeah. it's almost impossible for anyone under the age of 40, unless they have you know, a, a social safety net from their family members that can support that to get their own home, it's going to be another crisis. So like you said, it's not only helping the um, seniors' kids that need to get into homes, but it's ensuring that seniors who have worked their entire lives and have this home nest egg that means everything to them, can be an asset and I I don't see what would be the big pushback there I I don't know currently what the housing policy is from the NDP and I think that's a bit of a detriment to them because they obviously haven't been pushing it loud enough but any other things we could spitball here let's do the work for them of some kind of policy idea that could break through because you you mentioned it here. Let's see if we actually have it. Yeah. the Our recent abacus uh, data numbers that vote intention by age, it had 60 plus, 40% liberal, 28% conservative, and only 13% NDP. Vote yeah. intention by age for the 18 to 29 was 33% NDP, but still... 29% liberal and just I think the yeah. math there just it it won't add up there won't be a big enough slice of pie and I really do think he has such a chance now and maybe I'm on the wrong side of it and I'm from the inside looking out but No, but you know, but there is a
1: good chance. Well, because there's a few things you can look at. And of course, none of this is an exact science, but you know, we we saw some data about uh, accessible voter pools. Mm. And what accessible voter pools basically mean in simple terms is that when a company does polling, they might ask you, okay, who are you going to vote for if an election was today? But also who would you hypothetically consider voting for? And so what it shows is that in, in a recent poll, Um, the NDP has a fairly large accessible voter pool. Mm -hmm. The People's Party, for instance, only has 17% of people that would ever consider voting for them. The Greens have 33, the Conservatives 41, the NDP 48, and the Liberals, 56. Mm-hmm. So the Liberals are the biggest pool, but the NDP's pool is only eight points smaller than the Liberals, meaning that basically half of Canadians would consider voting NDP. So there is a a, a, a chance there, and I think there's a mixture of things that could bode really well. One, Justin Trudeau has disappointed people. Trudeau Singh is very popular among young people. Uh, And that's a good thing. He's far more popular than he used to be. And he was already popular. And again, as we noted, more popular than Trudeau was in his rise, you know, back in 2015. Um, But I think also one hope is that uh, the conservatives polling so goddamn miserably.
0: (laughs) Do you have those numbers on O'Toole, by the way? Just a quick interjection, because I um, do know he's like he's crashing here.
1: Well, I do know there's a couple things that look really bad for O'Toole. O'Toole is um, very unpopular among young people. Which, of course, is not a surprise. O'Toole is minus 14... among young men and minus 27 among young women now you have to compare that to sheer sheer was only minus four and minus 12 so sheer was unpopular with young people but not deathly unpopular you mm-hmm. have to remember andrew sheer for all we can say about him got more votes than any other leader in the last election yeah in a proportional system he could have won uh, a minority government um You know, Trudeau just had a better distribution of votes than Andrew Scheer. Mm -hmm. But O'Toole is is vastly unpopular, more than double unpopular among the youngest voters. Um, But also another factor that looks really bad for him is that when they ask people about preferred prime minister polling, Singh is starting to beat him. Uh, and and generally, the NDP leader almost never beats the Conservative leader in preferred prime minister really? polling. Really, wow. Yeah, and so it's close, but but Singh is ahead of him. That bodes very poorly. Some polls actually have the Conservatives below twenty five now. Wow. Uh, they yeah. There was a there was a poll I believe. Um, uh, Nanos had a poll out earlier this month, having the Liberals at 38, the Conservatives at only 24, and the NDP at 20, Wow! right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so the NDP is now within the margin of error of the Conservatives in many polls, not all of them, but many. Um, And I think that one effect that could have is that could just give the Liberals a hyper majority, Mm -hmm. that everywhere that there's blue-red swing seats, uh, the Liberals gobble them up. And the NDP will make gains in this scenario, likely gaining from um, conservative uh, orange-blue swing seats, yeah. um, but that would likely be a liberal majority. Although you could see a hypothetical scenario where some of these accessible voters who vote liberal to stop the conservatives no longer feel the conservatives um, and that is a possibility. If, if if we go into an election and we do have, you know, a NDP in the low 20s, conservatives in the mid 20s, liberals in the high 30s, there is a chance that some of those liberals uh, say to themselves, well, I don't need to vote. Uh, abc because c has crushed themselves mm-hmm. um and uh i rather like this minority parliament where the liberals govern and the ndp has uh, something of a balance of power so if i give my vote to the ndp i can uh, uh you know give them more voice more power maybe knock the conservatives in the third and stop the liberals from having an unaccountable government
0: it's going to be hard to justify the strategic vote idea this uh, this come around
1: yeah, and I mean, another factor is that O'Toole is just unpopular in general. Now, net favorabilities don't mean everything. I mean, in, in some of the same polls that have the Trudeau as most preferred prime minister, uh, he's often not that popular. Uh, one recent poll by Abacus has O'Toole at minus 20, Trudeau at plus one, Singh at plus 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of these things give the NDP potential. It's showing that people are generally warm to Singh, especially young people, but the population on aggregate. And they're open to voting NDP. The question is, can they get that done? Now, the Liberals will still make a strategic voting argument. They will still do that. They will try to suggest that uh, you still need to vote us to stop Conservatives. You still need to vote us because uh, O'Toole is a big bad wolf and you need us to stop him. Um, And a lot of strategic voters... Uh, don't necessarily have critical thinking about it. They don't necessarily say, okay, I am a strategic voter. I don't want a conservative to govern, but I live in downtown Toronto and my riding hasn't gone blue since like 1956, Mm -hmm. right? It's either going to be the NDP or the Liberals. There is no other choice. Like Jack Layton's old riding, that would not go conservative. If it goes, if, if, if the Liberals lose, it's to the NDP. And I think the NDP needs to strike a balance between not overtly legitimizing strategic voting because that makes it look like you're not running to win. But, you know, suggesting to people on a local basis that this is an election where you can send a lesson to both the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party Mm. that you can you can punish the Conservatives. Or or, 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 you know, punish the liberals without necessarily electing conservatives, at least on the polling now. Now, of course, O'Toole could recover. O'Toole could find himself in, um, you know, with a bit of a swing up. Trudeau could have a big scandal that mostly pisses off former conservative voters that will go back to O'Toole. So nothing's guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. Trudeau looked like he was going to steamroll to a majority um you know, uh, in late 2018, early 2019, and then, you know, Blackface happened, SNC-Lavalin happened, all of that, he still won, but with a reduced minority, right?
0: Yeah. No, I, I do see what you're saying, and it's interesting to note the, the flip side of strategic voting when it comes to the advantages that, you know, the NDP could, you know, whisper into people's ears that it's just, you know, your fears are, are not going to be realized if you vote NDP. It's just you won't have Big Bad O'Toole as PM if you vote in this region. Um, I I do find it interesting, though, to see if the NDP really has the gumption to strike that balance because as of yet they they do seem to be at least policy wise in a bit of a defensive position you know we, we have specific mps that come out strong and and are i think some of the best politicians that we have here in canada and and really uh, attribute their values to a system that i think you i and the listeners also believe in But I don't understand why maybe he's getting some bad advice or maybe, you know, we're not in the loop as much. But it doesn't seem to be that clear one issue that they want to ride on yet. Now, is that just because there hasn't been an official, uh, you know, the, the election hasn't been officially declared? They're not in that mode yet. Or is it just a case of confusion? Because it seems like as the cards lay now, the NDP is in an incredible position to maybe even become the opposition to really overtake the conservatives. If they have something that can reach those two key demos in a way that perhaps the liberals and the conservatives are more shackled to their ideology. So they can't, whereas NDP I think perhaps has a little more freedom, but from what I've seen and, and read, they don't seem to be exercising that freedom as liberally as, as I think they would now, is that just like a fear of of what to come or, you know, is I, I, are they just getting too smart for their own good kind of thing?
1: I mean, I think there's a few things. I think one, they're, they're scared of taking big risks with, uh, with policy. Yeah. They're scared of like, you know, going too far and alienating people. Um, I think some of it is just ideological beliefs. I I think that, like for instance, the party isn't ready to make a clean break with fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Uh, just they know that they don't they don't want to piss off uh, the western gov- the western parties were that are either in government or have a very good chance of forming government in places like Alberta, B.C., Manitoba, Saskatchewan, uh, things like that. Um, I, I I think that, uh, I think one challenge now is that. COVID continues to dominate things. And it's hard, the party is trying to strike a balance between saying, look, COVID response in Canada was decent, but it was only decent insofar as the NDP made it decent. But that also sort of gives implicit credit to the liberals. Yeah. And so now you have a situation where one of the reasons Trudeau is so high in the polls is that Canadians perceive things like the vaccinations as being effective. And Trudeau, I think, is getting a bump based on that. And so, how does the NDP criticize on that one countervailing issue? When, say, in a more re- uh, more traditional election, maybe you'd be able to get more edgeway in on pharmacare, dental care, things like that. Are people really focusing on those things when it's all COVID, COVID, COVID? Mm-hmm. And how do you thread that needle and say Trudeau effed up, but not effed up so bad because we were able to stop him? And I can see how that would be hard to communicate if you get what I'm saying Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's a difficult it's a difficult position, but no, I think one of the things they could do is to be bold and they could say like look uh we're gonna cancel we're gonna cancel student loan debt we're going to um we're bringing in pharmacare we're bringing in dental care uh really focus on these things." Um and and just keep hammering them. But right now, I think it like if you ask people, especially non-conservative voters, and again the the NDP's uh, voter pool is they have some conservatives in it, but it's basically they a lot of liberal and green voters that might consider voting for them. Is um people are it's about COVID right now. Yeah, it's about COVID right now. And by and large, because people are that want to are getting vaccinated in Canada and, um, you know, and, and this is, premiers are going to get a bump from this too. Yes, maybe even Doug Ford, shocking Uh-oh. as it is, Uh-oh. Canada has, by, is, has one of the world's best first vaccination rates per capita. We really are a world leader all of a sudden, right? It's like we still lag a little bit on full vaccination, but, you know, we're going to pass the U.S., on both fronts very quickly we had that Americans, month there
0: when we were doing nothing and it was horrible and yeah. then all of a sudden boom you know we're, yeah. we're leading the pack most
1: most canadians now have their first vaccination right mm-hmm. that's um that's pretty good uh, and so um trudeau's gonna get a lot of credit for that Premiers yeah. might as well um but trudeau's gonna get a lot of credit for that and you gotta balance attacking trudeau on covid where a lot of people see him as doing a good job whether it's actually on him or whatever um. Uh. and trying to like take some credit for it.
0: Yeah, I, you I think you make a really good point with the COVID issue, because like you said, the NDP cannot celebrate their own victories without uplifting the Liberal Party, because ultimately they made a lot of the decisions that allowed us to, you know, not die and enter Mad Max world, whereas the conservative- I mean, you can do it,
1: it's just hard yeah. to convey. Like you could say, for instance, when, when this started, and I've written on this- the liberals weren't planning to do all that much. And then the NDP raised the stink and then they did. And then they forgot students. And then the NDP and students raised the stink. And then they created that woefully inadequate, but still something student Serb, basically. And so you can say all of this, but I don't know if that fits on a pamphlet. I don't know if that fits in a TikTok. I don't know if that fits in a tweet And versus, uh, you know, Trudeau saying I'm prime minister during covid uh, and I got you vaccined, We are a world leader in vaccines. Uh, mm-hmm. That's much easier to convey. Yeah. Or you know, it just or if somebody if Trudeau failed, let's say he failed objectively, objectively, you could say Justin Trudeau. You know, the good things he did were because of us, but he failed on getting you the vaccines you need to survive. And we can't reward him with another government. Like those are you. You could see the difference in mm-hmm. conveyance difficulty.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think especially with those key demos that. You want to chip away at if you're a senior. This is kind of a complicated issue that you need to explain the successes of the NDP that, again, like you said, might be difficult to do so simply. But it's interesting to look at where because we've talked about the the main head honchos here. The greens and the block. You mentioned the accessible voter pool. There's a big bump here for the block in Quebec. Now, does that normally, yeah. if that happens, is that eating out of conservative pockets or liberal pockets?
1: I'm not exactly sure. It yeah. could be conservative. Uh, in Quebec, the block has like an interesting voter, uh, for lack of a term, voter block, voter base, mm-hmm. um, which can be. Uh, some people that might vote liberal federally, but it could also include some of those former NDP voters that voted for the NDP in 2011 and 2015. Uh, it's the block base tends to be a bit older. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that's entailing, mm. but it could be, uh, just a little bit from, uh, liberal and conservative. There's not very many NDP votes left in Quebec after yeah. the wave subsided. So I'm not sure what's causing that, but that is important and i think good to see if your main objective looking at the polling right now is to not see a liberal ma- uh, majority yeah. because one thing that can stop a liberal majority is them polling it is a strong block performance mm-hmm. because if the blo- if the block gets 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 absolutely wrecked as they did in 2011 um or in 2011 they did, but the, the, the conservatives were still able to win a majority off strong Ontario performance, but the liberals, the block did not do very well in 2015. Yeah. Right. And the liberals were able to take a huge chunk of Quebec. Now the block picks up like 30 seats from Quebec. Those are most of those 30 would go to liberals if not going to the block. Yeah. And so the, a a strong block performance, equals a difficult liberal ch- uh, path towards a majority and that does show that ba- almost again a, a majority uh, uh, almost a, almost a, a majority of Quebecers are considering voting block yeah um, that that could be a big wild card in the next federal election right now and this is updated I believe just like an hour ago oh, nice. 338 Canada did an update and they say that the current polls show the greens at two likely preserving their two seats minus the one uh, person that crossed to the Liberals. The Block at 31, the NDP making decent gains actually to 35. That would be about an 11-seat gain mm. for the NDP. The Conservatives though, just literally at 100, one 0 and the Liberals at 170, making them a true one-seat majority. That would be the barest of majorities. 170 is the majority number, right? Mm-hmm. And so right now they're on the absolute razor's edge and a strong block performance could be what what ends their majority chance. Mm. Right.
0: Yeah, no, it's amazing to look at and to see how we could see something different. It it also is a little bit like if you made it this far, folks, you'll know that we're hitting this drum once again. It's a little disillusioning when we have seen what the Trudeau liberals have gone through in this last you know pandemic response and one of the things that I cannot believe is not hurting them more is the continued disasters by the Liberal Party in response to the uh, graves being found of Indigenous children murdered, essentially by the government in our history, like uh, there's uh, there was a picture earlier of Trudeau with a, a little uh, teddy bear dropping it off at one of these grave sites, and it was just so saccharine and sickening. And I think you even you you had a good little comment on that, didn't you, Crystal?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted something along the lines of, you know, Justin Trudeau wipes a tear and solemnly says, "I'll see you in court." And just, <laughs> it, I felt that captured like the again, whether it's Trudeau kneeling at the, this this just this sight of absolute inhumanity, or whether it was Trudeau's moment of silence uh, in response to uh, Trump attacking uh, Black Lives Matter protesters, or whether it was Trudeau kneeling at the Black Lives Matter march in Ottawa last summer. Um, it just shows that like his a lot fewer and fewer people are buying his symbolism and i think some people are saying look symbolism's fine if there was action behind the symbolism the symbolism would be powerful symbolism matters there's a reason why a lot of these statues get torn down by activists because the symbols matter they have power but like you know uh some of these indigenous protesters and activists and leaders and elders have said, you know, if Justin Trudeau wasn't fighting uh, children in court, fighting ancestors in court, fighting descendants in court, uh, and wasn't, you know, doing everything he could to stop uh, meaningful reconciliation with indigenous people, uh, then then this symbol wouldn't be seen as so cynical and people Mm -hmm. wouldn't be so jaded looking at it. And so I think the response to it, uh, it, it encapsulates Justin Trudeau's inactivity more than anything
0: else, and I, I think it's even uh, worthy to note that I think around the same day, a day after or before, there was that uh, new push once again, not new push, a continued push from uh, a couple of NDP MPs, uh, Momilok and, and Charlie Angus. To have a special prosecutor on this residential school issue and these crimes against children, like wh- what do you bet that the liberals are going to vote against that after they had after Trudeau got you know his photo op when this is something that's being pushed that could directly help and put responsibility at the feet of of those who are responsible like is this just a fear that maybe the bill will come due to the government at that point or is it just you know because the ndp suggested it there's no way they're going to uh go with it because i we haven't had one i think this week but there is no chance that between now and whenever the election is later this year if it does happen we won't have more grave sites of indigenous children Found like there, there's zero percent chance that that won't happen, and thus far Trudeau has come up short and and done less than nothing. Right? Has has made the situation worse. And I'm wondering if that is having the effect that it would if we weren't going through this horrible pandemic. But then also he got elected after it was released that, you know, he enjoys wearing blackface many different times. So, you know, it's difficult to see where where voters land. But all of these issues coupled with the loss of fear, perhaps of the need to strategically vote to get rid of the conservative boogeyman. Like, I I do think that the NDP is in a position now that that they can actually push, that they can if they come out like I I hoped it would be the stuff we said for absolute free pharmacare, you know, abolishment of student debt. I would be okay if there was slight asterisks, not a page of asterisks, but slight ones on both of those, if it meant having something that was still strong and still Clear because I don't think they have much to lose when we see the state of the Liberal Party and and what they're pushing against these issues, and we're seeing the almost collapse, if not turtling, of the Conservatives. I think O'Toole this week is pushing this idea that uh, Ottawa has to pay and subsidize. Uh, Alberta in a bigger way, although locally, Alberta refuses to have, you know, a, a sales tax. So it, it's very interesting. He, he knows where his eggs are, essentially. So I'm just. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Go I ahead. mean,
1: look, a couple of well, one with 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 this with the special prosecutor that wouldn't require an act of parliament. No, uh, that's likely something that the justice minister could do because uh, that's more of a you, you you don't elect prosecution in Canada. That would be more the the justice minister, you know, uh, Lametti, to basically. Uh, appoint someone to do that and then give them the parameters of their job (patanos) [sadio) basically they want them to look into this there are specific people some priests and some others that are still alive many of them older uh some of them live in france now Mm -hmm. and they want and 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 charlie want them to canada to look at extraditing these people or to encourage say france to charge them so this isn't really an act of parliament so the trudeau liberals ultimately make the decision because they control the government um and who knows if they'll do it but um i think that's a perfectly good actionable call that goes beyond symbolism yeah uh, i'd be i'd be surprised if they did it um mm. get but um i think it's a good call in terms of uh You know how this will play out with votes i mean i'm not sure but i definitely think that one of the reasons singh is popular is he's seen as having like a moral compass yeah and if a strong stance on indigenous rights is taken by singh it might not be the thing that moves votes like vaccine rates and and you know, uh, what are you gonna do for my pocketbook? But it could be the kind of thing that 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 plays to his strengths. And I mean, yeah, in terms of O'Toole, I mean, like look, the the one question mark in all this is that if if strategic voting happens, I don't think there's anything Singh can do because O'Toole is awful at this. Yeah. <laughs> he is playing to Alberta where even in a bad election, they might not win four of the seats. Like Currently, yeah. right now, they control all but one of the seats in Alberta and every single seat in Saskatchewan, right? And yeah. so the reality is there's, there's, there's not much more they can gain from Alberta and like that was that was the lesson they needed to learn from andrew shears that andrew shear got a lot of votes one got more votes than trudeau but wasted a ton of votes and un, under our, our our first past the post system wasted a ton of votes in alberta and saskatchewan whereas trudeau had a much better distribution of votes in ontario and quebec and the maritimes right mm-hmm. and was able to win because of that and so um yeah o'toole um trying to uh you know, appeal to Alberta at this point, maybe that's something you do in a, in a provincial election. Obviously you, 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 you go at the big, bad federal government. Uh, you know, if you're running for the conservative leadership and you want to win that, that Alberta base, which is a big part of the conservative party, of course, you do that. But yeah, I'm not sure what he's thinking there. It's, yeah. uh, I, I, I get the argument. I get that there's a lot of people in the conservative party that care about that, but it's just, it's not the thing that's gonna, that's gonna win you Ontario and Quebec who are going to see that as, as, uh, Albertans whining. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's, fair or not. It's, yeah. It's funny it's, how yeah.
0: directly that feels yeah. like whining. Yeah. For the rest and of, like, the whole
1: point of picking O'Toole, honestly, not that he was anti West, but the whole point, one of O'Toole's selling points, uh, was that he's from Ontario. Yeah. Right. That he's not from the West. I mean, the two leaders of the conservative party, since the, the, the re-merger from the, blo- uh, the uh, the, uh, the, um, the Alliance, uh, they were um, both from the West. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Harper was Alberta. Shear was Saskatchewan. And so their two main options this time were uh, Peter McKay from uh, the Maritimes and Aaron O'Toole from Ontario. And both of them could say, at least hypothetically, that we're going to give us a better chance at winning seats outside the blue bubble in like the Western provinces. And, by focusing on Alberta this close to the election, I just, I don't, I don't see how that's going to help them. Maybe no. it'll raise money for the party and like they can spend that money uh, in other parts of the country, but that seems like pretty indirect.
0: Alrighty. Well, I think that wraps it up for us uh, this week. You know, we we need to see what's going to happen. I think we found our positioning, if you will, that they're in a great position, the NDP. And if they come out with something that is bold, and I'm even willing to put it at not, Completely leftist, not even remotely leftist, but if it's if it's bold and moral, then I think we could see a move. And one of the most important things that I believe we need for our country to survive in this coming disasters that we've seen this year is to move us more towards socialism and leftism, less towards barbarism and having at the very least a minority liberal government with the NDP in a great position to to push policy more in that direction. I think could be one of the greatest moves that that we need. Not even like oh, wouldn't it be great? Our, our lives be a little bit better. But like things, unfortunately, are just going to get worse. And unless we react to it with a more humanistic approach, we know how the powers that be will react. So if if you're a betting man, Christo, and we're sitting you know end of november do you think and the liberals have a minority or majority
1: i think it's my inkling right now is that as an election comes up and um you know things get a little bit more tense the conservatives i don't think will be quite as low as they are now i think they'll kind of crawl their way back up into 30 or so that uh I think we all see a minority, but Mm. I won't be shocked if there's a majority government. Uh, The Liberals certainly had the chance to do that. It might depend on the arrival of a fourth wave. Um, Are Canadians mad at them for calling an election? Um, That might happen. I know it's um, you know some people might still think it's too early. Uh, Canadians might feel that there's no need for one right now, and you know if if they get punished for that, it could it could hurt them. But uh, right now, my, my guess would be a minority government, although maybe a bigger minority than the one they currently have, meaning we'll end up in a, a, a similar situation where it's unlikely that they'll be utterly dependent on the NDP, uh, a la, say, David Lewis, Pierre Trudeau, 1972 to 1974. Uh, and, and the liberals will will basically have a situation where they they're significantly ahead of all the other parties. Uh, and basically just need one party to dance with on any issue. Uh, Meaning that basically nothing changes in that sense.
0: And that is not going to be good because chances are the reaction to that, if that happens, as we've seen, will possibly be not a big orange wave, but a blue wave of barbarism, suggesting again that we need, you know, stricter policies and that things need to change and, you know, really like if we get a Canadian politician that, understands the catastrophes that are happening in the world, but he's devoutly conservative and says, here is what we have to do without being just overtly racist like that. I think would be a winning combination, unfortunately for a lot of people. So like, this is a, this is a vital time. And I think everyone believes that this election is the most important one that they've ever seen. But I, I don't want to know what will happen to this country if we don't push further now than perhaps we have before, to a more egalitarian and you know humanistic approach, because we don't get like another chance at this. Like, I, how many times do we have to say Cthulhu is rising in the Gulf of Mexico? Like, shellfish is boiling. We're finding graves of children. Like, this is this is something that is that needs to be addressed. We don't need symbols now. We need big change. And Trudeau has shown us that he is not the leader to do that. O'Toole has shown us he's not the leader to do that. The Green Party is muting its leader, won't let her talk when they're having meetings, which is a story this week. So we need at this point, I believe we need Jagmeet and we need him to come out strong. Um, If you agree, please, you know, or you don't, please talk to us about this because this is a very interesting issue. I know some of you listening might be seething, suggesting that we accept anything but, you know, Pure leftism or socialism here but yeah please tell us Uh, of course you can talk to us on Twitter but if you want to join our discord patreon.com slash left turn Canada got a nice little community there Uh, just a small donation and you know I'm learning a lot from these folks and they always have interesting stuff to say Uh, yeah anything else before we hit it this week and I jump directly back in bed and drink a whole thing of Gatorade
1: Uh, no have a good one everybody have a great week
0: see ya (音声) Thank you.